Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our I Believe God Sermon Series. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. As we think about faith, and, and then I, I think about today being the ninth anniversary, and as I look back on everything that God has done, I can't help but be challenged not to live in the past. How many of you know somebody who, who's a, a person who lives in the past? You ever known somebody like that? Uh, this is the person, you know, that they talk about uh, maybe when they were, I'm thinking about the guy who's maybe in his 40s or 50s, and he talks about how great of an athlete he was in high school. And like all the time, he's like, oh, you should have seen me. Man, when I was in junior, I was a stud. You know, I was super, well, I won't say stud. I was super cool back in my day. Man, I was, I don't know, Dad, what would you say? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, they'll talk about their sports. They'll say, well, back in my day, I was such a great athlete. And, and I'm not talking about the people who just tell a story. I'm talking about pe- how people, and you know them, they live in the past. I've been around guys who talk about how good the fishing used to be how good the hunting in one place used to be. I've been around preachers who talk about how good the church used to be and how good uh, that time with God used to be. And again, I'm not talking about people who simply tell a story, but people who can't move beyond one moment. I think of my wife. Hannah has a, no, she doesn't do this. I'm thinking about somebody in my wife's family. It's, uh, It's her uncle. And uh, his, name, his name is Rick. You pray for him. He's got cancer and uh, probably going to be passing away here shortly. But Rick, is always, he's always funny to us. The reason, from the very first time, that very first Thanksgiving when I met the family, the very first thing that Rick said to me when I walked in, he said, oh, Dennis, good to meet you. You married Hannah. Has Hannah told you? And I'm like, has Hannah told me what? He said, has she told you about the time? I was like, well, what time? And he proceeded to tell me about when Hannah was 15, I think, 15th birthday, and Rick took her to a golf tournament there at Pebble Beach. That's where they all live, right around there. And, and uh, Rick, he lied to get them in, and then he just lied to people the whole day about being, having credentials and news reporters. And because of that, she met Bill Murray and, and got to watch Tiger Woods, you know, just from me to Leo, that close, you know. And, and all the while, Rick was just, he's lying through all this. Of course, he didn't know the Lord, you know, but he's, he's doing all that. And Hannah, the whole time, she's like, Uncle Rick, you cannot tell lies. And the whole day, she's like, Uncle Rick, stop lying. He's like, oh, don't worry, don't worry. It, it, it's just a little one, you know, and he kept doing that. Well, he's telling me this story. All right, great, I heard it. You know, oh, that's really funny. No, Hannah hasn't told me about that. The next time I saw him, no lie. Dennis, good to see you again. Hey, has Hannah told you about that time? And he told me the whole story again. I'm not exaggerating to say that every single time I see Rick, every time he tells the story, every time. Now, you know what? I know Rick's spirit in it is like, you know, he's, he's not living in the moment, but he's just always like, I'm, I just want to go back. That's my great memory with Hannah. And I love the fact that he has those memories, but you know what? There's those people, and we know them. There's those people who they live, listen, they live in the past. People who just live and are occupied in the past. You know what? There's a lot of Christians who do that. 
They live in the past. Well, I remember when I was a kid growing up in church and my church growing up. Well, I remember this guy growing up. I remember this time when God worked. We should learn from the past. We should love the past, but we should never live in the past. And the Bible helps us with that. And I want you to see this morning with me about the idea that while we look back on blessings, we move forward by faith. We won't be long. Stand with me if you would. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. And beginning in verse number 37, here's what you read. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, or and by it, the elders obtained a good report. Again, this morning, I want us as a church to understand and as individuals to understand that we can learn from the past, but we should not live in the past. Instead, we should determine every day to live by faith in an all-powerful God. Moving forward by faith. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a moment and in the quietness of your own heart, commit this time with the Lord. Pray something simple of, dear God, please speak to me. Dear God, please speak to me this morning. And God, help me to hear from you and get what you want. Dear Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for how it applies to us. Lord, I pray that as we get into the word of God today, Father, I pray that you'd challenge us to be a people who determine to live with a continual trust in you, that we would hear your word, that we'd obey it, and Father, we'd seek you and build that relationship. Bless our time. Speak to us right now. If there's anyone here, Lord, that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that today would be the day that they come to know you as their Savior. We love you and thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. This morning as we come to the book of Hebrews, let me give you just very quickly some context. Of course, the book of Hebrews would be written, it's, it's unclear who the author was of the book of Hebrews, uh, but the, whoever wrote it, wrote it to Hebrews. This would be Jewish people who had trusted Christ, but uh, were maybe uh, going through some challenges. And I, again, I, I really don't have time to get into all of these notes that I have here, but I just want us to understand that this was a group of people, that they were living in a culture that was anti anti-Christ that was against Jesus, kind of like the culture we live in now, where everything else is tolerated, but Jesus is not. And so these, these Hebrews, these Jewish people who had trusted Christ, they were living in this culture, and they were facing some challenges. If you were to go, you would see that many of them had been arrested just simply for believing in Christ. They had seen their family face uh, death per and persecution because of simply believing and being a follower of Jesus. And so they were facing just a lot of challenges during this time, but... The biggest challenge that they were facing, and Paul writes to this, or, or the writer of Hebrews, I think it was Paul, so I might keep saying that. Uh, the writer of Hebrews writes to this, and he says this. He says, hey, listen, you, you're going through some challenges, and because of that, it's causing you to doubt what you have. You're doubting what you have. You're, you're thinking, is Jesus enough? Is, is Jesus complete? Is, is this Christianity thing real? And and he began to see and sense that many of them were thinking 
You know what we need to do? We need to kind of go back to what we used to believe. And, and we need to go back to what we used to hold to. And Paul writes to them and he says, hey, listen, you need to know that Jesus is better than what you had. The old said one thing, but you're living under the new covenant, under Jesus. And again, there's not time for me to go into this. If you want it, I'll give you my notes and you can read through it. But all of this, he's, he's simply trying to get them to the point of understanding, hey, Jesus is better than what you used to live in. And, and your old life doesn't compare to a new life following Jesus Christ. And so he's been trying to convince them to stay faithful and to stay uh, true to what they knew to be right. And he's spoken to them about the great high priest that Jesus is. And he's spoken to them about the fact that Christ is a better sacrifice than that of the Old Testament. And he's brought them to understand what they had in Christ is completely better than what they had in the law. And as we come to this part of the book of Hebrews, the, the writer is challenging them to understand that the life of a child of God is lived by a continual trust in God. And the writer really just brings out a challenge to every reader. Hey, don't forget what God can do, so trust him. You put your faith in him for salvation, now start trusting him every day. Now start living by faith. Basically, don't forget that, that same faith that saved you is supposed to be the faith that guides you. And no matter what you have going on, a life of trust in our great God is better than a life on your own. And he writes to them that you need to understand that you're having faith not in a movement. Your faith is in Jesus Christ. And we know that faith is only as good as its object, and when you put faith in Jesus, you're not putting faith in some statue or believing the word of someone who is dead and still in the grave or in a cause or a movement, like I say, but you're putting faith in the risen Savior, the, the Son of God. And so he's challenging them, listen, don't live by sight in your circumstances. Trust that God is working through your circumstances and keep living in faith. With all of that in mind, I want us to take just a minute and learn about the theme of this living by faith, how it can affect us as a church and how it can affect you as an individual. Now, I will tell you, because of the video and the extra music today, I understand the time. It's already 12 o'clock. Yeah, it's flown by. Now somebody's like, all right, I'm timing you. They say to every preacher, don't point out the time. I just did. Here's why I did. If you listen fast, I'll preach fast, okay? And we'll still get out at a normal time, one o'clock. <laughs> I want you to take your Bible with me, and in the next few moments, I really, let's just put the time aside, and let's learn from the Lord about this. And I want you to see, first of all, what I'm calling today Faith Described. Faith described, the author of Hebrews, begins to describe faith. And as you come to this passage, we find the author giving that description of what faith looks like. We just read it a moment ago in those verses, verse 37 down through verse, uh, chapter 11, verse number three. And he says that the Lord has promised, verse number 37, God's promised to come back and, and he's going to come back. He's not gonna wait for anyone. And then he says this, knowing that, Knowing that Jesus is coming, verse number 38, look with me, of chapter 10. 
knowing that Jesus is coming, the just shall live by faith. Now, who is the just that he's talking about? The just is anybody who's received Christ, the justified, those who have been made right by the sacrifice of Jesus, those who are saved that know Christ as their savior. He's saying, hey, now you're called to live a life by faith, a life that continually trusts in God. He says this, if you look at the end of verse number 38, if my, uh, uh, he says, but if any draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. That phrase, the just shall live by faith. And then what he continues to say is simply this, that our life as a believer or a follower of Jesus is supposed to be governed by faith. Every decision we make, we make through the lens of faith and trust in God. I want to note that this is not a definition of faith. It is a description of what faith does and how it works. You can understand, and one man put it this way, true Bible faith is not blind optimism or a manufactured hope so feeling. Neither is it an intellectual assent to a doctrine. True Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. Faith operates quite simply. God speaks, I listen, I follow. John 10, my sheep hear my voice, they know me, and they follow me. Now what does this mean for us? Well, it means that as a Christian, I'm supposed to live life by following his word. And there's going to be some things and some trials. Listen, there's going to be some things and some trials and some circumstances that happen in your life and my life that I kind of question. Well, is God really in control? Let's be honest this morning. How many of you have been there? Is God in control? Man, every one of us have. And there's some, you're just not gonna raise your hand, even if I like beg you to, it's okay. Listen, all of us would raise our hand. We've all been there. We've been to the place where we're like, God, are you really in control? A life of faith says, God, I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand how this happened. But God, I trust that you know. I trust that you're in control. A life lived by faith is going to do that. And he's describing this. He's saying that we need to understand that we, we trust in his word, we live by this faith, and though the circumstances may be impossible and the consequences frightening and unknown, if I'm living by faith, I'm going to obey God's word just the same. I like this, faith is not some feeling that we manufacture, instead is our response to what God has revealed in his word. And here's what, the, here's what he says. We are not of those who go back. Notice verse number 38, or verse 39. We are not of them that draw back unto perdition. The word perdition right there, it means ruin, loss, or waste. Hey, we're not of those that go back to the life of ruin, the life of loss, the life of waste. No, a Christian, once you listen, once you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, faith enables you to see what other people cannot see. Faith enables you to understand sometimes what other people cannot understand. And when a believer has faith in the Lord, it's God's way of giving him confidence and assurance that I can follow and trust God regardless of what's taking place. I am not going to turn back to a life of waste. And we make decisions based upon his word and trusting what he says. What a great truth to bring out to these people. They were thinking about going back to their old life. 
Going back to that which was a life of what the writer of Hebrews says, a life of perdition, waste, ruin. He's saying, hey, don't go back to that. No, instead, you need to remember that faith described, you are going to live by faith. Faith should govern what you do. One man said it this way, faith is knowing that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose, faith does not believe that all things are good or that all things work well. It believes that all things, good or bad, work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. So it doesn't say, oh, I believe that the death of my loved one is good. No, faith says, I believe that the death of my loved one, God can work through that good in my life and the lives of others. Does that make sense? And that's where we're at. He's saying, hey, they'll just live by faith, faith described. But I want you to see, secondly, he gets into faith displayed. We do not have the time this morning to read all of Hebrews 11. That, that is like a 19-week 19, 19 sermon series in and of itself. Thank you, Micah. But the remainder of Hebrews chapter 11 is devoted to summarize the lives and the labors of great men and women of faith in the Old Testament. And in each instance, here's what you find. You find God spoke, the heart was stirred, they obeyed God, and God recorded their story. Okay, very quickly, what are these stories? Abel, by faith, worshiped God. He trusted that God would receive him because he obeyed and sacrificed what God offered, and God said that was pleasing to him. Enoch, by faith, walked with God, and it's recorded that he pleased God. Noah, by faith, built an ark and preserved mankind, including those in his family. Abraham, by faith, followed God, moved to a new land, established a people who claimed Jehovah God as their own. Sarah, by faith, trusted that God would give her a son, and she saw God work. Isaac, by faith, blessed his sons about what God could do and would do in their lives. Jacob, by faith, blessed his grandsons, and he trusted God with his son Joseph. Joseph, by faith, trusted that God was in control of his life, and he believed that God would bring the people of Israel back into the promised land. Moses, by faith, chose to be identified with the people of God and to follow God and to lead God's people on an unprecedented journey. Joshua, by faith, brought the people of Israel into the promised land. Rahab, by faith, chose God and became part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Then you have the stories uh, listed of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets and Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and so many others. And the common denominator with all of these individuals is their faith in an incredible God. And you can look, and I would encourage you to do it. I wish I had the time. Write it down and go read Hebrews 11, 4 through 40, and you find story after story after story of people who said, God, we don't know what you're doing in our life. And God, we don't know how you're going to work through this, but God, we trust that you are working. We trust that you are in control. And so you have faith displayed. Hey, he's our, Paul, the, the, the writer of Hebrews has already uh, said, and here's a description of faith, that you live by faith, and that faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And hey, there's a lot before us that have lived by faith. Let me, let me show them to you. And he gives them all of this and displays all of their faith. And by faith, 
They worshiped God. They walked with God, worked with God, followed God, fought for God, stood for God, spoke for God. They were patient in suffering, courageous in battle. They were made strong out of weakness and they were victorious in defeat. They were more than conquerors by faith. They displayed faith in God and God wrote down their story to encourage us that faith is worth it. Hey, living by faith in Jesus Christ, it's worth it. And that's what the author is getting across. He's simply pointing out the fact that every, listen, every generation has had its challenges, but there are some followers of Jesus Christ in every situation and in every generation who have said, we will go against the flow and we will follow God by faith. And we don't have all of the answers and we don't know why and how and when and where, but we know that God is working and we trust him. And in every generation, there's been somebody, and that's what he highlights. All of these things, they're written for our encouragement, written so that we can know that there are others who have gone before us and have trusted God and seen God work. But can I tell you this morning that these types of stories are not exclusive to the characters in the word of God? You know, sometimes we hear about faith stories and we say, well, that happened for them, but that could never happen for me. Can I tell you that for some of these people, God worked in the way they asked. Others, God worked differently than they asked. And they still trusted God and watched him do something only he can do. That type of faith is not exclusive to scripture. God is still calling people to live by faith and he is still working in the lives of people who do live by faith. Micah, would you stand real quick and tell us, a, you got a minute, faith story. When we stepped out by faith to uh, make the decision to start the church in Wenatchee, I remember <clears throat> back in 2017, uh, it was kind of a scare, I was really scared to even bring it up to pastor. And uh, yet when I, I, took even the small step of faith to mention it and uh, to say, you know, I think that the Lord's planning, uh, wants us to plant a church. Uh, it was just cool how the Lord just started to solidify things. And, uh, and there are things we've seen in the last two years since, uh, well, two and a half years now since making that decision uh, that I don't, I don't believe we would have seen happen in our lives um, had we not made that decision. Uh, just people uh, providing, God using people to provide for our needs and, um, and just seeing God behind it and the people that we've been able to impact because of the decision. Uh, I truly believe none of that would have been possible if we wouldn't have taken the faith step to say, okay, God, we don't know what this all entails, but uh, we're going to do it. Amen. Christy. June 17th, 2019, uh, my sister passed away in the hands of doctors in Seattle. She was 39. Uh, none of us knew or expected it. And uh, it was dark and it was overwhelming and it hurt. And God kept leading me back to Psalm 61. Uh, David was in the same situation. He was lost he was in the midst of his enemies, and he cried out to God, I'm overwhelmed. And the verse that I claim continually since that day in June is Psalm 61, 2, 
From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. And I've learned in that situation that God is my comfort and God is my rock. He's the rock of salvation. And in order to move forward, in order to be strong, I can't rely on myself. I have to ask God, cling to him and beg, set me up on your strength. Set me up where I know you can keep me safe. And then I, I, can, be, <laughs> I can be strong and move forward instead of being tossed and blown about by being overwhelmed. Amen. Dad? Many of you know about my uh, nearly nine years of dealing with cancer. Uh, back in 2011, uh, I was in the hospital for over a week, and the doctor came in and said, you're full of cancer. Um, basically, he said, call your family. You've got less than two weeks to live. And that's devastating to get news like that. And uh, your emotions are up and down, and you think about family and all sorts of things. And really, my step of faith was when I realized and, and came to, to uh, contact with this, that God is in control. It's uh, all up to him, and I came to that point of realizing my job is just to fulfill his will in my life, and the verse that, that dawned on me was, in everything give thanks, and I came to a point where I thanked the Lord for the cancer in my life because I knew he was using it for whatever reason, and uh, when I made that that commitment and prayed to him, it just gave me peace, and of course, God's worked through that, and uh, still overcoming, and praise the Lord for it. Amen. Hannah. Grab his. Here we go. Okay, works. Um, uh, a lot of you guys know I have a, a side hustle, and I paint pictures of the ocean. And, um, and so God did something in, in my faith in this last two weeks. And um, so two weeks ago today, I woke up with this idea and this question to God. And it was like, the question was, what can I do? I'm a very driven, goal-focused person. I like to set a goal and work toward it. And so my question was, what can I do? Um, thinking about trying to buy this, build, uh, this property and build a new building and stuff. And so, um, and I love my church and I want to be a part of it. But when I asked God that question, what can I do? That was the wrong question. I shouldn't have been asking, what can I do? Uh, I should have been asking God, what can you do? Because um, he, he I'll, I'll tell you what he did. Um, I, I got this idea in my mind, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to take the nine paintings that I have here on hand, and I'm going to post them online. And some of you saw my little video going around online. I posted all my paintings, and I just said, and the, the conversation with God went something like this. Okay, God, whatever comes in from this, I'm going to give you half. And I felt like right away God was like, half? And I was like, yeah, half, that's a lot. That's more than the tithe. It's, you know, it's above and beyond. And, um, and God was like, half, what do I give you? And I was like, Ugh. And I was, I was fighting with God for all the way until the evening in my mind. I was like, okay, 80%. Um, and, and by the end of the day, um, God had spoken my heart. I'd been reading my Bible and praying about it. And I was like, okay, God, you do this. I'll, I'll, I'll donate all my paintings to your cause, and I'll say, um, whatever comes in from this, um, you, I'll give it to this the purchase of the new property, and I just want you to do what you, what you can do through me. And, um, and I, I promise you 
what I thought would come in in my mind was like maybe a hundred bucks or 200 bucks. And I was thinking I could, I could give this and I could do a part and what can I do? And, um, within a period of eight days, all my paintings, but one were sold and God brought in just through that one little effort, $2,000 for me to give toward the purchase of our new land. And I just should have been asking the whole time, what can you do? All of these people, listen, the types of stories, faith stories are not exclusive to the characters in the word of God. And I have these folks tell their story so that we can understand we still serve a God who works. You have a God who works through church planting. Someone who is, they're not, they're not looking back on nine years at Ridgepoint saying, wow, look back at what God has done. They're still in the faith journey and God is working. Looking at somebody whose loved one has passed away and many others could stand and, and attest to what Miss Christie said to simply say, I don't know why, I don't know how, but I'm learning that if I trust God, he'll build me up and he'll work in my life. There's someone with cancer and others with health problems and some who have seen loved ones die of cancer and you have this this situation where uh, with my dad, and of course, these two stories are very close to me because I've watched the journey and I watched my dad go through cancer and just learn to say, God, I don't know why, don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. Watching my wife wrestle with that. And I was there when she's like 50% and I'm like, that sounds great. That's awesome. And then she comes back, we're gonna do, I'm gonna do 100% of this. And, and I'm, me too thinking, well, she'll sell like two or three paintings because that's usually when she does a sale and what happens. And, and here's God above and beyond. Now listen, you say, pastor, why tell us these stories? Because we need to understand that the God of Hebrews 11 is still the God of 2020. He's still a God that's able to work in your life. He's still a God that's able to work in your church. He's still a God that's able to work through that loss of a loved one. And he's still a God that wants you in every decision you make to say, God, I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know where. But God, I trust you. So I step out by faith. The just shall live by faith. But we have to remember this. Hebrews eleven six. 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We see this morning, we see faith described. We see faith displayed. I close with this. We see faith developed. Boy, we would look at a story like these in Hebrews 11 and no doubt we read this passage and we hear stories like those among us and we say, I wanna live out that type of faith. I wanna see what God can do through me. How does that happen? I'm glad you asked. Hebrews 12, one through three. Wherefore, hey, because of this, seeing we are uh, also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Hey, there are those that have gone before us that have lived this out. They're the cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. He's saying, hey, listen, I want you to focus on the race before you and focus on living out your faith. That's the challenge in verse number one. Well, how do I do that? Verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. The author says, hey, put aside, listen, put aside those things that are holding you back. Put aside those circumstances that you don't understand. Put aside those challenges that you think you're facing and nobody else is facing. Hey, you think you've lived by faith, 
put aside your doubt, your fear, your speculation, and move forward in faith. But then he gets to the real challenge. You want to develop this kind of faith? Focus on the Lord. Hey, focusing on God develops our faith, looking unto Jesus. Why? He is the author and finisher of our faith. What is the writer challenging them to live by? Go all the way back to 1037. This is not a bunch of, you know, the chapter and verse divisions. These weren't there. The writer is writing one continuous thought. Hey, the just shall live by faith. Let me show you people that live by faith. You want to live by faith? Put things aside in your life that are slowing you down and look to Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Remember, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And now he's victorious sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Man, consider him. What should I consider? That he endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. He said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But he turned and did not my will, but thine will be done. And the challenge is, hey, you can do that too. Well, what if I don't do that? Lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You know what happens when I'm not looking to Jesus? You know what happens? I go, man, this is hard. Man, I can't. Man, I tell you, I just, and I begin to get down on myself. I can't live the Christian life. I can't read my Bible. I can't pray. I can't walk with God. I can't be the right husband. I can't be the right wife. I can't be the right teenager. And we begin to be weary. We begin to faint in our minds. We begin to want to quit. We're going to talk about that tonight. We begin to say, I give up. You know why? We've stopped looking. Got our eyes off of where we should be focusing. Can I tell you, we develop faith by focusing on the Lord. Faith is paradoxical. It's contradictory. It's inexplainable. It goes beyond reason. It, li- it believes without understanding why. In the scripture, faith, it sings in prison. Faith glorifies in tribulation. Faith chooses to suffer when it could not suffer. It accepts all things as something that God can use to work good. And because of this, the challenge is to live by faith. Hey, the decisions that you make this week, do it by faith. The challenges you face this week, face them trusting God. And as a church, keep living by faith. Keep serving by faith. Keep greeting, teaching, encouraging, giving, loving, and witnessing by faith. Why? Because the just shall live by faith. As an individual believer, live by faith. Well, how do I develop this? Well, you're not born with this type of faith. It comes by drawing close to the Lord and to the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The author is writing and challenges the readers, don't reverse, don't step back, don't back away from what you trusted Christ in, faith. Instead, move forward by faith. Trust God is working in every aspect of your life. As one preacher put it, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God by faith. But can I remind you this morning, what I said a few weeks ago, we trust who we know. You want to walk in faith? Get to know your God. You want to say, I want that type of faith. I want to have the faith of those in scripture, of others among us. And again, those stories of other people among us. And then, man, Jim told me that story. I want that faith. Man, Veronica told me that story. I want that. You want to live by faith? Get to know him. Build your relationship with Jesus and watch Jesus through his word and his spirit strengthen your faith.
I hope this morning that every one of us would say, you know what, I don't know what the future holds, but I know that I'm gonna live by faith. I don't know what this week holds for you. I was talking to Glenn Kerrigan yesterday about Barb passing away, and he said this to me. He said, Pastor, I guess Jesus just wanted her in heaven more than me, so I'm gonna trust him, and we'll get through this. Here's a family that if you were here, their son was murdered five years ago, five and a half years ago, and we watched them walk through faith, walk through that situation in faith and just watch grace in their life. But you know what? They had to come to a point, and Glenn came to it again yesterday where he said, I don't know what I'm approaching this week, but I have a God who does, so I'll trust him. Will you choose today to trust him? Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.